talking about church members. He's not talking about in general. We have not <coughs> given up our civil rights in order to be a Baptist church member. Right. But that's what you hear from the majority of Baptist preachers. That because we're, we're believers and we're members of the Lord's church, and we don't, we don't have the civil rights that everybody else does. Well, there's some countries that have no civil rights. That has nothing to do with the scripture. We have civil rights in this country. We've got a constitution and we've got a bill of rights. And we have rights. And we are not required by God to give those up in order to be a faithful Christian. But you need to write and divide the word of truth. They make that blanket statement and it is false. Just like the same thing about divorce and remarriage. Uh, they completely pervert what the Bible teaches by not studying the Word of God. Well, here, he said, now there he's talking to the church at Corinth. Having a matter against another. Now, you deal with people at any for any length of time, and sooner or later, you're going to have a matter somewhere. We're human beings, and we don't live in a perfect world, and we're not perfect. And we do things, and we assume things, and that, that, all, that causes problems. But we have ways to work those things out. It's not, it's not the problem that's the problem. The problem is how you handle the problem. There's the problem. That's always about it. So, just as he said in that last chapter, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you, and that shouldn't even be talked about by the, by the heathen. All right, so uh, this is another matter. Now, a brother having a civil issue against another brother, members of the same church. That's what he's talking about. When I was running a painting crew, I had a guy, uh, well, he was a contractor, and uh, David probably remember, had that house over there on Hanover. We were stripping all the paint off, off the outside of it and did some on the inside too. Big. And I was doing it just to cost labor materials. And I couldn't get him to pay me. And I don't know, back in those days, it's about $4,000. And it wasn't any profit in that. That's just what I paid to help and paid material. Uh, and I got in touch with him. His wife said, oh, he, he'll be back. He's gone somewhere. He'll be back, you know. So I talked to him, tried and tried, and finally got a hold of him. I said, Pat, you're going to have to pay me, buddy. i got to have my money. I can't, I can't work for nothing. And you can't either. He said, I said, he said well, I, I can't pay you now. I said, well, you said you could. Now you're not going to pay me. He said, he said, well, I don't know when I'll be able to. I said, well, I'm going to have to sue you then. Oh, you can't sue me. You're a preacher. <laughs> he actually said that. He was a member of a Methodist church. 
<coughs> I said, well, tell you what, Pat. You're not a member of my church, and I'm not a member of your church. If you were a member of my church, I would bring it before my church. We would have a meeting, and we'd have it decided. And if the church decided in my favor, you'd either pay us, or you'd get excluded right there. Then, when we excluded you, then you're as a heathen man, the publican, now I can sue you. And that's what ought to be done. Same thing in a marriage and divorce. It ought to be brought, if they're both members, husband and wife are members, it ought to be brought before the church. A lot of churches not in shape to handle that. They couldn't do it. But it ought to be. And if the husband's wrong, the church rebukes the husband or else they exclude him. If the wife's wrong, she re repents or they exclude her. Or if they both uh, repent, they're back together, it's, everything's fine. But once one of them is excluded, then it should be to the courts. That's the only way we can decide it because that's a civil matter. Now, uh, he says, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Now, he's talking about future. What's going to happen in the future? And he says, if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matter? Whatever that is between those two brethren. The church ought to be able to decide between what's right and what's wrong. And he says, know ye not that we shall judge angels. Well, I don't know what angels are going to be judged if it's not the bad angels. I don't know where the good angels are going to be judged by anybody. But it's the bad angels. And who's going to judge them? That's going to be, well, God's people. Anyway, uh, I got a couple of scriptures on that. Matthew 25. Verse 41, he said, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Looks like they've all been judged. All right, then you got 2 Peter 2 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, Deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. There's angels going to be unjust. And then in Jude, uh, only one chapter there, verse 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved and ever everlasting chains under, uh, uh, under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. There they are. They're in chains also. I guess those chains held them. And, yeah. Whatever kind of chains they were. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, go back to 1 Corinthians 6. 
Now, if then you have uh, judgments of things, verse 4, chapter 6, or, yeah, uh, if you have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are the least esteemed in the church. Now, here's the thing. People think, well, if you don't have degrees besides your name, you can't do anything. That's not what God says about his people. Romans 15, he said, I am positive that you all are able also to admonish one another, counsel one another. Where did we get that kind of intelligence? Well, number one, God gave you all things pertaining to life, to godliness, sound minds, healthy minds, according to the word, judging according to the word. That's, that's how we can do all that. He's uh, sure that we can do that. So uh, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. And I don't think that's a put down. But you have some in the church that are more considered than the others. But he said, just don't get the top dogs, get the little dogs. Set them over this. <laughs> That's how sure he is about the, about the soundness of reasoning of, of God's people. He said, I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. Well, you see, as I said, starting with, we've got constitutional rights in this country. And we don't, sac- we don't give those up becoming a child of God, no. becoming a member of the church. The majority of pre- Baptist preachers say that you give them up. And they're 100% wrong. I wish somebody would challenge me on this. <coughs> they won't do it. Now, you know, the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen. Now, I know that the Roman Empire, is, it was a heathen, pagan empire. Is there any doubt in anybody's mind? But Paul was a Roman citizen now do you think that Paul said oh well they're a bunch of heathen I don't want to be a part of them I'm not, I'm not going to no he didn't a bunch of idiotic independent Baptists would say that somehow thinking they're going to be, I'm going to be sounder than Apostle Paul <laughs> <coughs> well look at uh Acts 16 real quick. This is after they loose from the prison in Philippi. Verse 35, when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant saying, let those men go. Well, they's already gone, but anyway. And the keeper of the prison told this, told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. 
Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly uncondemned. We had not been judged, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privately. Privately. He said, nay, verily, we're not going to let them get away with this. They're going to have to face what they've done. But let them come themselves and fetch us out. The sergeants told these words to the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and brought besought them and brought them out, desired them to depart out of the city. So the point is, look at chapter 22, the same book. Acts 22, uh, look at verse 22. And they gave him audience unto this word and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it's not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw the dust into the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade them that he should be examined by scourging. That's whipping that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. I'll go whoop him myself just to see what they're, what they're whooping him about. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul stood unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Is Paul not using his Roman citizenship? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man's a Roman. He's protected by the Roman Constitution. When the centurion heard that, well, let's see, this man's a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou Roman? And he said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With the great sum obtained I this freedom, and Paul said, but I was freeborn. You had to buy your way out of slavery. I was freeborn. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. Looks to me like he's kind of using his Roman citizenship, isn't he? Oh, you can't do that. You, uh, the Constitution might give to you, but now the Lord doesn't. Now some idiotic uh, preacher that thinks he knows something. They always take they always take take the rights away from you. They never take them away from them. They keep them and take yours away. Well, when you get married. Now, I understand we've talked about it, and I don't have a lot of respect for marriage licenses now because if, if they can say that a man and woman's married or two men are married or two women are married, you know, don't mean a whole lot to me. But it still does mean something civilly. And if you're not married, you're living together and not married, 
you're going to have some problems, especially if you've got kids or if you've got any kind of a state at all. It's not going to be settled like you want it to be settled, not at all. And that's, that's a reason to get a marriage license. But see, when you get a marriage license, that has nothing to do with the church. Absolutely nothing to do with the Lord's church. It does not. You get married totally by the civil authority. And by that same authority, you have, you have rights to break that marriage covenant for whatever reason. And the same government that pronounced you married can also pronounce you divorced by the same authority. Oh, I don't believe, I believe you're still married in God's sight. Don't be an idiot. We're talking about civil laws, what we're talking about. Well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I can't get divorced. God had not put you in anything you can't get out of. I mean, you got, you got, say a man's abusing you, whether he's doing it verbally or physically, abusing you, abusing your kids. You mean to tell me you can't break that marriage? According to God, he broke that covenant. Read the scripture, you find out that you got, we've got civil rights in this country. Now, if you're in some other country, a commie country, communist, uh, you know, you probably don't have any rights at all. But we've still got them here, and we need to exercise those rights. We've got a right as in this church. We're not incorporated. I want everybody to know this is one church that is not incorporated. And will not be incorporated as long as I've got breath in my body. When you incorporate, you lose your constitutional protection. We are a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not a business. And we're not going to be run like a business. We're going to be run like a church of the New Testament. And that's all we're going to be. Now I guarantee you the majority of churches, Baptists and others, in Fayette County... They're all incorporated, but you wait when the rubber hits the road, buddy. You wait till then, and you're going to find out those are government churches. Those are state churches. That's why it Scaff wouldn't set up in Romania. Because you had to be a part of the Romanian national church to set up as a church over there. That's why he went to, right across the border into Hungary. That's exactly the, the truth. Anyway, but our Constitution says Congre Congress shall make no law with respect to the establishment of religion or the free exercise thereof. And then, the, then you got the Second Amendment. But, but we have constitutional rights, and we better stick with them. I'm sorry these churches have acquiesced, given in. Crawfish, because the pastor's afraid they're gonna somebody gonna sue and get his money. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. We got lawsuit protection in our in our insurance, 
but being incorporated ain't going to help you anyway. Because they, they get all the pockets they can reach in, in, a, in a lawsuit. But we are Americans, and this isn't a, a church, in the, and we've got constitutional rights. And we're going to exercise those, use those. All right, now, let's go on now. If you've got questions, comments on that, we'll talk about it. He said, now therefore, verse 7, or verse 6, but brother goeth the law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now, if we've got two brothers in this church, or two sisters, or a brother and a sister that has a problem, a property dispute, or anything else, a debt, or anything else, it would be wrong for us to sue first. We need to bring it for the church. Now, some churches wouldn't let you do it. Then you don't have any choice. But it ought to come before the church and the church make a decision. And then we'll see what we do from there. That's the way it ought to go. That's scripture. Now, he says, now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law with one another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why, why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? In other words, why are you so determined to get something straightened out? You could just let it go. That's what he's talking about, allow yourselves to be defrauded. Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and, that, and that's your brethren. So brothers in the church, sisters in the church, Ought not to be that uh, litigious. Let's go to law. <laughs> now, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. He goes on with this. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Now, all of these issues, he says, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Those that are living in these sins. Okay. Now he says, fornicators but then you've got adulterers there too so catching it all there now nor idolaters well it's okay to just have a few pictures of Jesus hanging around well no not in the church it didn't find out what idolatry is and know that's not that's not right uh nor abusers of themselves with mankind. In case you weren't certain about what all was included in fornication and adultery, this kind of help you. 
abusers of themselves with mankind. So what does that mean? That's not the only time that's used. Look at uh, 1 Timothy. Verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So abusers of themselves... Uh, or men that defile them that defile themselves with mankind, and over here in First Corinthians six it says, "Nor abusers of themselves with mankind." Well, let's just stop and think. What in the world could that be? Not trying to get raw, but well, I tell you what, they get raw everywhere. They're getting raw in schools and all that. They get just kids know a whole lot more than you think they do. If you know what two men do to each other. And you know what it means to be an abuser of yourself with mankind. That's exactly what it is. That's where AIDS comes from, folks. They've got an advertising AIDS medicine on television. And every time they show you two queers kissing each other, right in the mouth. Just that's, that's because AIDS is a homosexual disease from men. Because they do what ought not to be done by anybody. And that's what they do. Now, look quickly at Genesis 19. Now, I guess if somebody gets, gets wind of this, they accuse me for uh, hate speech. Do your thing, whatever you got to do. Genesis 19. At Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 4, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And abusing themselves with mankind is what they were wanting to do to them. And that's why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire and brimstone fell from heaven. And you know they've uncovered fire and brimstone right there where Sodom and Gomorrah was. No surprise to me. Now look at Leviticus 18. Now, kids get fed this stuff at school, although they get fed at school that this is all right. This is an alternative lifestyle. I don't think they even say it's an alternative anymore. Leviticus 18. Verse 20. Moreover, thou shalt not lie carnal with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech. That's putting your kids in the fire. 
Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not yourselves, ye yourselves, in any of these things. For in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. That's what's going on in all them heathen nations. And you're to be separate. You're not to do all this. Now you know, probably most of these young people not, haven't heard of syphilis. Syphilis used to be the big one before they got AIDS. But you know where syphilis came from? Men with sheep, that's what. That's where that came from. Now, look at uh, chapter 20 of Leviticus. <coughs> Verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind, that's a man with a man, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That was a death penalty. God hadn't changed. Romans 1. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. And for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was suitable, meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And then finally, Jude Verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh and set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion to speak evil of dignities. I think the Bible speaks against that. And that's just not one passage. That's all Old and New Testament alike. So, people that live in these things, all of these thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, drunkards, I think, can go right, drug, drug heads right there. 
Well, drugs do the same thing drunkenness does. They're all drugs. Revilers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But he says such were in the past tense. Some of you. Doesn't mean nobody's ever done anything. But you can't be saved in it. You've got to be saved out of it. Uh, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. But I will not be brought under the power of any. Anything that, that addicts you is wrong. Whatever it is. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. And now the body is not for fornication. But for the Lord and the Lord for the body. That means that, that sex is to be between a husband and a wife. Their own. And that's all. Outside of marriage, between a husband and a wife, sex is sin. Plain and simple. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your body, bodies are the members of Christ? And make them the members of an harlot? Let it not be. What know you not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. That's what consummates a marriage is the sexual act between a husband and wife that consummates the marriage. And when you get there with somebody that you're not married to, you're doing a travesty of marriage. And it's sin. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Now he doesn't say adultery there because there he's using it as a general term. All of it. Flee it. Run from it. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, <coughs> which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? Now, back in chapter 3, he said in verse 16, Know ye not that ye, ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. He's saying basically the same thing, but it's not in the same context. In chapter 3, he said that to each New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Spirit of God indwells his kind of church. Amen. No others. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit. Jesus immersed the church in the Holy Spirit. And he indwelt the Lord's kind of church. Just as he did the tabernacle and the temple. Amen. But now here he brings it another step. When God does a work of grace in you. It can be called the new birth. 
It also is called regeneration. And it results in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit comes in you and does a work of grace in you. And he remains in you. Now we don't have time to get into it in 1 John. <coughs> that's why I said <coughs> that if, you're, if the Holy Spirit's in you, you do not commit sin as a way of life. You cannot sin because the Holy Spirit indwells in you. So he's talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the believer. Now the Holy Spirit indwells all believers if they're truly believers. If, they weren't, if he wasn't in there, they wouldn't be believers. No man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. But he says, now you're bought with a price. And what is that price? It is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So that's what we are to do with our bodies. We're to do that with the church and we're to do it individually with our bodies. May the Lord bless us. Say, well, it's not very spiritual. I'll tell I, I deny that. Amen. This is some of the more spiritual.